game of the year. I'm Joe Weston. Ned Reynolds is sitting next to me. Josh Roberts is sitting over there. Hi. And we're here to talk about, well, let's start out by talking about the Chiefs. What was your opinion of last week's showing against the Raiders? Didn't appear to, to me to play with quite the spark that they, the, uh, I'm talking about the Chiefs, that they have been able to engender in recent games. A little bit surprised at them. The Raiders played tough. The Raiders certainly wanted the game. That's not to say the Chiefs didn't, but Las Vegas came out there and played really hard and really had a chance to win the doggone thing. Could have, but hey, there were certain elements that went against and went against both teams as far as that's concerned, but some of the calls and so forth and so on. Everything balances out, in my opinion, in the end. And it was just the better football team won it. Kansas City is better than Las Vegas. Are they markedly better? No, because, it, well, depending on what the circumstances are when they play at the end of the year out in Nevada, that uh, may be an altogether different story. But for now, the Chiefs are the better team setting up a big one today. I, uh, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I felt like the Raiders came out with that game, and they acted and played like they wanted it more than Kansas City did. And we have this debate virtually every week, and I know you have it with Mike when you do the morning show about teams looking ahead and your your argument, and which I think is a very valid argument. Professional athletes that get paid to do what they do, but, you know, they're human beings too. And, and it seems to me that this Chiefs team may be playing up and down to their competition levels. Oh, I think that's possible. It's, it's possible with any team, but I think more than anything else, <laughs> like, uh, for instance, in this game coming up where you know you're going to have a huge TV audience on a nationwide telecast, I suspect that both teams will be energetic about the contest, and certainly the Chiefs will. They, they seem to, to uh, rise to the level of what the media is creating for them. And last Sunday night, they get the win, and it's a Sunday night game. It's a big telecast and so forth and so on. So I think everything equals out. But I do think that these are professional athletes who know fully well they're getting paid for every game. You're right. They are human beings, of course, and emotions play a big respect. You know, I had a very good friend of mine who has been at field level on a number of occasions tell me that trying to trying to be creative about your thinking in doing a football game or whatever the case might be is really difficult in Kansas City because of the noise. It is the loudest stadium in the NFL, Seattle notwithstanding. Kansas City is. How do you think players and coaches go about managing the intensity level that they play at. Do not know. I have never been in that capacity from a coaching and teaching standpoint to know how they do it. There are ways, I'm sure, you know, they do have the headsets and all that sort of thing that perhaps block a little bit of that tremendous uh, influx of noise that's coming from the stands. But over and above that, that's uh, awfully tough to overcome. One of the things that sticks out in my mind that we really didn't talk about last week was they played a Tampa Bay defense that is very good, much better than the Raiders' defense, and they sliced that defense apart. And then last week they made the Raiders' defense look pretty good against them at times. Mm-hmm. I guess it's it's more than anything else. It's different approaches to the game because every club, no matter how good you are, does have, a, have its uh, vulnerabilities. And the Chiefs are pretty good at determining what the levels of fallibilities are with some of these teams. And they may have been – May have been able to detect some with Las Vegas and none with Tampa Bay. I, I, you, I don't know. I just don't know. 
Josh, what were your thoughts on last week's game? I know I got your text. You, you, you. After the first quarter, you sent a text into our our little group <laughs> yeah. chat room, and you said, "This is pathetic." It was that the first, most of the first half, the Chiefs did not look good, and I agree with you. I feel like the Raiders said, "This is this is our Super Bowl number one. Let's go out and and put out our best effort," and they did. They came out. They were fired up. They played really well defensively and offensively. And they slapped the the Chiefs in the mouth. Um, I'm glad that the Chiefs ended up winning. I was it, it, they are a Jekyll and Hyde team because, like you said, they they played so well and so dominantly against Tampa Bay, and then they looked like they were very vulnerable against the Raiders. And you can interject anything you want about that. It's because they. There's such a rivalry. They play each other so many times. They're so familiar with each other. But I don't know. I mean, I, I, my argument against that comes back to what Ned always says. These guys are professionals. There shouldn't be such a difference just based upon rivalry and how often you play a team. So I don't know. I, I, I'm glad they won. I'm happy that they won. But there are some real glaring uh, inconsistencies with them right now. Josh, when you take a look at the uh, Raiders coming into that game, all their games prior to that had been very close. Yeah. They had lost them by more. They were, what, one and four going in it, so they were obviously one and five now, but all very close and none any closer than this one against the Chiefs. I made a prediction with Mike Holmes last week. I may come back to haunt me. It'd be fine if it did, but I think this team starts to win. And once they start to win, it's contagious. I have a feeling the Raiders late in the season may begin to flex their muscle a little bit if they have any character about them. Josh mm-hmm. McDaniel's coach, he's a pretty good coach. He's been around. If he's able to instill in this team a spirit of getting out there and winning, and they do have the elements to win, oh, yeah. uh, then I think they can be a big pain in the behind to a lot of teams, uh, not, not just AFC West, but a lot of teams in general, who they play, uh, just the kind of team that they have and the kind of teams that they've had in the past. They can be very disruptive. Let's talk about something that we we kind of always measure the season in quarters. And since there's now a 17-game season, we'll, we'll call the first five our first quarter yeah, of the go. season. And it was a very tough first quarter of the season for the Chiefs. They went out in the first week, and they – made Arizona look bad. Now, Arizona's not that good of a football team. Right. They're they're not good. They did not play incredibly well against the Chargers, but they still won the game. They played horrible against Indianapolis and lost that game to a team that's not good. There's there's no glossing over that game at all. There's no way that you can say, well, Indianapolis is better than what people think or no. whatever. No, no. no. They're Indiana- just they're, they're they're bad football yeah, team. Indianapolis is a bad football team. That was a bad loss. They have a great win against Tampa Bay, dominant, look like the best team in the NFL, and then they come back last week. And I think the second half of that game, the Chiefs looked more like the Chiefs against Tampa Bay than they did in the first half of the game. But they did. Mm-hmm. I agree with you, Josh, that it looks like that they got punched in the face and they had to get up, and they did get up. Yeah. And uh, played which, a lot better in the second half of that game. Which that was nice to see, but it also makes me wonder, if, if they let a better team – uh, have such a point, you know, a, a lead on them, would they be able to come back? So, I mean, that's the question that it raises in my mind. If they were to let, well, like today, if they let Buffalo get off to a, a start like the Raiders did, are the Chiefs able to come back 
and beat a team like Buffalo. Well, there is a formulary you can base that speculation on, and that was last year. A lot of people are not mentioning this, but the Chiefs and Bills played in the regular season mm-hmm. last year. Remember, the game was disrupted yeah. on a Sunday night because of a storm. Well, hell, Buffalo won that game 38-20. to I mean, yeah. they ran the Chiefs out of the ballpark. Oh, yeah. And then they come back and play in the playoffs, and that's the overtime spectacular right. 13 seconds to go touchdown to tie the game. So they did play twice last year, incidentally, for, for what it's worth. There's been a lot of speculation. Wait a minute. Why are all these games in Kansas City? What is this? Don't they ever play in Buffalo anymore? <laughs> well, it's a formula that the NFL has in the regular season if the teams are scheduled against each other, and they are in the regular season, and both happen to be in first place at the end of last season, then the formula is for a couple of years, the one division gets the home game, and then if it happens again, the other division gets it. So if it were to end and the Chiefs and Bills do play again next year, it's already on the schedule, schedule for Kansas City, but if it ends this year where the Chiefs are number one and the Bills are number one at the end of the season, They'll play in Buffalo. Of course, playoff games, regardless. Right, that's, that's all based on record. That's where you are, yes. I think the Chiefs, to me, I agree with you, Josh, that they are a little Jekyll and Hyde mm-hmm. so far this season. But I, a, a theme that's developing with us, or at least in my mind is developing with us, is that I'm seeing who wants it more, mm-hmm. who really wants it more. And so my question today about them going in and facing, a, I mean, a lot of people pick Buffalo to go undefeated this season. Who wants this game more? Does Buffalo have something to prove or the Chiefs have something to prove? What's your thought? Wow, that is a, that is tough. I think I kind of feel like the Chiefs have more to prove because of their inconsistent play so far than Buffalo. Because I feel like Buffalo is kind of firing on all cylinders right now. They're playing solid offense and defense. Uh, so I would say that that more of the pressure is on the Chiefs today. Ned, what about you? I really don't think they care about that, Joe, in all honesty. They care about what's happening right now. It's, it's that kind of mentality. Hey, we're playing a very good football team. We're going to go out and win. I'll tell you what's the unseen or unforeseen factor here, except by those of us who look way ahead it's very important from a standings viewpoint because if, if Buffalo's to win and if they finish up both winning and so forth and so on, the playoff game's in Buffalo. Right. They don't need for that game to be up there in Buffalo in, in late January, early February. It'd be late January because it ain't very nice up there in <laughs> Buffalo when that happens. So from that standpoint, yeah, and I think the players to some extent realize this, certainly the ones who – are the marquee players. They know. They know what's going on. But the others, hey, it's it's a game-to-game deal. You know what you have to do. Your coaches have told you what your specific assignments are on defense and on offense, linemen, defensive backs, and so forth. So it's not like college from that respect. But by the same token, you don't want to go somewhere else on the road in the playoffs and try to win. That's right. that's a tough thing to do. And in that sense, every game is important because you're building that record so that you can get that that first round by you can get that home field advantage. And so games like this I feel have an extra importance because these are these are the teams you're going to play again in the playoffs based on the way they're playing right now. Sure. So you need to establish how good you are against teams like this. I I disagree with you about that because I and you I saw it in baseball this year. 
um, when they had the the three game playoff, and the Mets went into that three game three game playoff, arrogant Buck Showalter starts out and he says, "We're not going to start Jacob Degrom, our best pitcher. We're going to hold him back for the division series." <laughs> and they lost. Yeah, and they're out. He didn't pitch. So. I think you do see teams, and I do think you see coaches and managers and organizations that look ahead, and I think some games mean more to other teams. Obviously, to me, the Kansas City-Tampa Bay game, that meant a lot to Patrick Mahomes. It meant a lot to the Chiefs to win that game. It's not a division game. Right. Not going to affect them in the playoffs, but they went out and played that like it was their Super Bowl, and they were they were lights out. The week before, they were they were lights out in the other direction because lackluster. they lost. Yeah, lackluster. So you're listening to Ned Talk. It is our local live sports talk show. We get together about an hour before the start of the Chiefs pregame show, which is coming up in 48 minutes. Let's talk about the big white elephant in the room. I'm not speaking of myself, by the way. <laughs> Let's talk about the officiating because that game could have been markedly different had it not been for the Chris Jones call. Chris Jones' call was one that was described to me. The, the official, incidentally, the referee, uh, is one of the best in the NFL. He had the Super Bowl game last year. He was uh, Mr. Nemmer's replacement in the officiating scheme of things. When Larry stepped down, this guy took his place. And he is, he is very good. Now, he described it, and I think accurately so, the way he's the one, the referee's the one who made the call. That's his call. It, when anything that happens to the quarterback is the ref's call because he's watching it in the backfield. Mm-hmm. All he saw was this big 300-pounder drive the quarterback into the ground, and that is a roughing the pantser. Anytime you drive somebody with physical force down to it, uh, that that's constitutes roughing the pantser because you are protecting the quarterback. Okay, it wasn't what Mike or Chris Jones was doing. He was trying to... The rule is that if you turn your body a certain way, well, who thinks about that? Yeah. That's just it. So from that aspect of things, it was probably not a good call. Didn't affect the game in any way other than the fact that it was a fumble and should have been ruled as a fumble, but still, it didn't affect the game. I am told that the noise on the field does uh, resonate with any, all of the individuals down there and does change the thinking. And as we mentioned earlier, didn't do it on the air, but there was a makeup call, and I don't give a damn what anybody tells it you. It was, yeah. It was a makeup call, oh, yeah. and that's defensive holding on a field goal? That just doesn't it's happen. Impossible. You can't. And here's a, here is a field goal for the Chiefs that goes way off to the right, not even close to being up, penalty flag, and they made good on the next one. And ultimately, hey, that made a very big difference in what happened. So officiating overall probably as good as it could have been. But, again, how often does that decide a game? It decides the rhythm of a game. It yes, does. But in terms and of the ultimate week. winner and loser, I'm not, I'm not, I'm going to defend the, I'm going to defend the level of the game and the way it should be played out. Did you see the call? Did you, did you see it? When it happened? Yeah. Sure. Of course. What'd you, th- what'd you think? What was I, your gut reaction when you saw it? Before you talk to your, okay. your, your, my gut reaction was, huh? He just got hit and fumbled the ball. Yeah, it exactly. looked good, and it looked but, like it looked but, like. But 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 okay, okay, we're okay. watching from the front, yes. and not the back, and we're not the ones making the call. I and it looked like Chris Jones even tried to hold himself up a little bit, he not did. put all his weight on him. But and I don't. Chris but, Jones is a pretty good guy. I don't think he would do that intentionally. The th- no, I feel like the thing you have to take into account is if he was 
pushing the quarterback down. It was because the ball was out, and he was going for the ball. Referee can't see that, though. Shouldn't he have asked for help? I mean, there's there's a lineman that there's a line judge that's right there that should see from that he side. Could, he could have asked for help, and they did have a conference, and maybe nobody saw it. It is possible. Well, I think you and what, I talked about this off the air. This needs to be something that can be reviewed then. Well, in because that, uh, Josh, a penalty like that does affect the game. It affects the flow of the game. It can affect the outcome of the game. And so, if there's something in these in these NFL games that can can cause such a momentum swing, then those guys need to get it right. And if they need to review it to get it right, then do it. But the review is going to not be done at full speed. It's going to be done at a slower speed, and you can't really judge a player's reaction by watching it slower as to when it's really happening in full because you get the full aspect of what the guy's pressure is on the back of that quarterback. So... And and furthermore, you can't if, if you had a review on that one, you had a review on every call that's made, and the games yeah. are going for eight hours. Well, that's that's probably true, but I just feel like this is starting to happen more often because there was the Tom Brady one before this one that was clearly not uh, roughing the pass. It was pulling him down. That's right. That and this right. one, to me, as soon as that ball is out of the quarterback's hands and is a live ball. He He's another player on the yeah, field. He exactly. shouldn't be protected the way they're protecting him. And I think that's the mistake they made was as the ball came out, he's no longer a quarterback. He's just another player on the field. But they still treated him as if he was a defenseless player. Again, again, just as a point of controversy here, we saw that they did not. <laughs> Josh just closed his eyes right now. Like, want, come on, say it. You like, don't want, uh, they you, did. You, they saw. They are in the game. They are seeing but things. They all, but Josh, they all have different assignments, and it could be the assignment was not there. That's the referee's assignment to see that, and he's looking at it from the back. Do you think that there's some way that they could signal the field and say you need to stop and take a look at that again? Yes, I think they could. That's what replay is for. But it doesn't exist in the rules because you have to follow a certain formula for what is reviewable and what's not. If the official up there, first of all, it made a difference in the game, which it didn't no. at the time. But if it's a key circumstance where the game is hanging in the balance, yes, I think they could do that. Let's, let's get us out on the first segment with this. Do you think the, do you think the game, the NFL, is overly officiated though, at this point? I absolutely And do. what can they do to improve that? Lessen some of the, well, for one thing, bring all officials all across the country, high school, college, NFL, bring them all together for a mass convention and come up with a formula of what should be called and what isn't called, especially pass interference. That's the biggest culprit of all, in my opinion. Where would you hold that convention? What town has enough hookers and, <laughs> and liquor, and liquor here, for that? Here. Chicago, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, when we come back, we'll talk about some of the other sports that are going on and uh, chat a little bit more about the game today. It's Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. 
It's been a surprising weekend sports-wise so far. Alabama knocked off yesterday by Tennessee. There's surprising football scores. Minnesota is leading Miami right now 7-3. Atlanta over San Francisco 21-14. I just saw a score, too, that Pittsburgh was beating Tampa Bay. The Dodgers, 110 wins, eliminated. Braves eliminated. Yankees on the verge of elimination. What story's the biggest out of all that? Baseball. Baseball? In my opinion, baseball, yeah. You don't think the Alabama story's bigger? No, because season still has a long way oh, to they'll, go. Oh, they'll figure out a way for Alabama to be in the national of championship. They will. That's yeah. hope. If they only <laughs> if, if they finish the rest of the year undefeated, and they should, uh, they'll they'll first of all they'll be in the Southeastern Conference Championship game as the West representative, and they'd probably play Georgia or Tennessee. Those teams still have to play each other. So you have you have an un, undetermined circumstance. Baseball's in the postseason. These are the playoffs. And uh, I, I view that as really the big story. Let me ask you this, though, before we get to full-on talking about baseball. And Josh is our Alabama homer here that we'll get his opinion on. Say that Alabama does run the table, and then they go into the SEC championship game and they lose to Georgia or Tennessee again. Will they still be in the final four? No, because it would be two losses by then. And unless all the rest of the field has gone downhill, uh, no, I, I can't I foresee it. Now, when the when the field is expanded to twelve, that's a different story, and that will happen maybe as soon as twenty twenty four, but probably not until twenty twenty five. I mm, I still think that they'll <laughs> they'll find a way. There'll be people out there arguing that Alabama should be in. Period. Well, no, there sure. are always people that are going to argue that. <laughs> Paul oh. Fine Paul Feinbaum. Yeah, people. Well, and it's because Alabama is a big draw for television revenue and blah, blah, blah. But I agree with Ned. If they can't win the SEC, they're not, they don't deserve to be in the Final Four. All right, interesting take. So what's the bigger surprise to you in the National League, the Phillies over the Braves or the Padres over the Dodgers? Both, both are. Really? And I'm going to view, I'm going to preface my remarks with a viewpoint here. Philadelphia is my hometown, and the Phillies were my boyhood team. Now, I've been away from there for half a century now, so you, you know, you, your identification certainly wanders a little bit. But it was it's rewarding to see Philadelphia win because the fans have been deprived for so long of any championships back there. So from that aspect of things, their win, great. San Diego, same way, 90 miles down the road from Los Angeles, they win after having been owned by the Dodgers. But wait a minute. Wait just a minute. Why are these teams even in there? They didn't win in the regular season. The Dodgers were 111 wins, 111 victories for the Dodgers, and 101 for the Braves, and yet they're not there? What is the purpose in the regular season? Why did we added these wild card teams in there? Now, again, I'm liking it for Philadelphia because I'm a it was a Phillies fan, and there is a local identification to the Philadelphia team here in the Ozarks. J.T. Riamuto, the Phillies catcher, his dad played for the Bears back back in the late 1970s. So from that aspect of things, yes, that, that's that's great. But still, should they be there? They won 87 games during the regular season to 101 for the Braves. Come on, what? Where's the fairness in that? Well, it's it's playoff. I mean, and it why has, do we have the playoffs? Well, first of all, money. I mean, that's the big thing, and it keeps people more interested in the a sport that has a waning viewership. 
Is it fair? Well, I don't, you know, life's not fair, Ned. That's what, that's one of my lessons <laughs> that dad taught me. 54 year old are telling an 81 year old that life life's, isn't fair. Life's not fair. And I mean, where and, the and, hell did this come from? <laughs> well, I mean, but it, but it's, but it's true. I mean, you, sometimes you see it, the better team or the better, you know, the better group of guys, they don't win. Inequitable competition, but this isn't equitable. These are wild card teams that should be going home for the winter when you have your championship teams. And yes, division champions should play. I'm all for that. And maybe one wild card. But boy, to have have teams with tremendous differences, gaps in their winning, taking part now in a championship playoff. San Diego didn't have anywhere near the numbers of victories that the Dodgers did. Nobody else did. And yet they are there, and so is Philadelphia. But the Dodgers couldn't beat them for three games. Three games. They had their shot. Does they the their... season come down to just three games? In this yeah. case, yes, it In the does. postseason. Now, I'll give you my perspective as a more, much more casual baseball fan than you guys. I like it because it's underdog syndrome. These guys <laughs> got into the playoffs as a wild card, so they weren't good enough to win their division, but they get a second chance because they were good enough in that secondary, like the loser's bracket, and then they're making good on it. It's an underdog situation. It's, it's the Indiana State Basketball Championships the but, Hoosiers. But 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 why are they even having this when the regular what's the purpose in playing 162 games? Maybe they shouldn't. And maybe they should lessen it. Lessen yeah. the number of games. Well, right. I think they should. I think that it's not going to happen, but they should, yes. No, I, I, I think it should be 154 games. 154 just, is the way it used to be. I think it should be a hundred. Here, here. Well, <laughs> how much was it during the pandemic? That was 68, yeah. 67, yeah. something like that. That's I could, not enough. I, I kind of think that maybe, you know, John Smoltz has put forth this idea that we have a first-half winner and a second-half winner just like they have in minor league baseball. I am absolutely 100% oh, okay. for that in every single respect. That way you would have something honest. You have this a second half team that got hot. Great, they weren't they weren't warm for the first half. That gives them a second chance, but not down to the end of the season, and have some way. Hey, look, look that team they had. They got hot here. Let's let's put them in at the end of the year. No, first half and second half, absolutely a hundred percent agreed. So, are you talking about doing like a playoff at the end of the first half? Have no, your, or have just your, a have your best. division your divi- like you're doing the Texas League. You have your division winner. If they're different at the end of the first half and second half, they play each other in a best of, I think it's best of three. And then the uh, other divisions all playing amongst themselves. Sure. That's how you do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that idea I'm all for that. I think it would be interesting to see. But I also, everything's problematic. Oh, yeah. No matter what you do, there's unintended consequences. And you've got a team that maybe made... You know, they win the first half, and they they feel like, okay, well, we're in the playoffs. We don't have to play as hard the second half. Obviously, it would change managing because so much of sports is health. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's such a major thing with sports, and I think that's why we see this. I know it's the reason why we see this overreaction on the NFL's part to protect quarterbacks because, you know, nobody – there's not very many people there – going, you know, waving their Chris Jones jerseys around and stuff like that. I mean, there's people there that's doing it. There's more Patrick Mahomes jerseys sold. There's more whoever the quarterback jersey sold. So they they want to protect that. But it it all comes down to the same thing when we talk about all of this stuff. Why are the teams there? Why are the quarterbacks protected? And it's money. It's always money. And sports and money are so tied, so closely tied together today. It's I mean, it's, it's nothing but troubling. 
Money and TV ratings. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's, well, yeah because and the TV ratings equal more money. Well, that's just it. Yeah, they're they're, all, all, about they're the money. all bound together, absolutely. And you know the networks are now crying about the National League because one is Philadelphia and the other San Diego, and whichever wins that's going to be in the World Series. And wait a minute, what kind of TV revenue are we getting from that? Right. Well, Philadelphia does. Have and some. likely to play Houston. And, and Houston. And Houston so, Houston so, what, so what, you know, what you're going to get here is Houston and San Diego, Houston and Philly. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. I don't know. I still decry the way they have this now, but Smoltz is right. Let's have if you're going to have this many teams in the playoffs, let's then have a division in the playoffs, a first half and a second half. I'm yep. all for that. Josh, I know the biggest story, the biggest surprise of the weekend for you has got to be the Alabama loss. Uh yeah, it was disappointing. Um, they did not play well at the beginning of the game and let. Tennessee, whoever they were playing, <laughs> get a get a pretty big lead, and then they came back, and I thought, okay, this is this is the way Alabama should be playing, and then they just let it. They did not match up well with them in the second half defensively. The number eleven, the receiver for Tennessee, had five touchdown receptions, which is a record for Tennessee. The yeah, I and Alabama it, did not look like a national championship team. You can also say that Tennessee's defense didn't match up with Alabama's either. After no, all, that's they put true. Forty nine points on the right. Board. That's true, <laughs> but that's what I expect with Alabama. I don't expect Tennessee to be good. Let me ask both of you this though: Do you think that Alabama's a national championship team this year because they've not played great football? They are not as good as they have been, despite no. what Nick Saban said at the start of the year, in which he was uh, quoted as saying that this year's team is better than last year's. No, they're not. They're not. Defensively, they are not the equal. They've had a lot of problems on there. You know, just some of the individuals have, for some whatever reason it happens to be, are not in uniform. Offensively, yes, they are pretty doggone good. Bryce Young is a terrific quarterback. Boy, how he can take some of those hits back there, I will never tell you. Yeah, I worry about that. But I do contend that if they play the rest of the year undefeated, and they should, they've got Mississippi State still to play. They have Ole Miss, LSU still to play. Austin P still to play. Thank you. <laughs> and that's that's one game they always throw in there right before the Auburn game. Right before Auburn, yeah. Right an F- the Iron Bowl. It's an FCS team that they put in. And this this time it's the Austin P governors from Tennessee who will be in there. Anyway, that's if they go the rest of the season – Unbeaten, yes, I think they will have a chance and then win their SEC championship game. What do you think, Josh? I don't think they're going to win the national championship this year. I I don't think they're as good as Georgia. I think Georgia is number one with a bullet. I don't think anybody's going to beat Georgia. I don't think anybody's even going to get it close to beating Georgia the rest of the season. But, Josh, you say that in Missouri almost did. Almost, yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, anything could happen. I would not have expected Alabama to lose the way they lost to Tennessee. But <laughs> there, as, lo- as long as Ohio State doesn't win the national championship, I'll be happy. There's so many variables <laughs> involved. And, and, and you talk about upsets. There were a, a number of them, including on the prep scene. True. Here you have a local team down in Christian County, Nixa, which is <clears throat> excuse me, among the top teams, <clears throat> excuse me, top teams in the state. And they go into Republican lose. Now, how how does this happen? Well, it's because of the equality of today's athletes. Right now, in, in the prep level, it's there's a major difference between them. But college and the pros, uh-uh, there's not at all.
Ohio State might lose to Michigan this year. Michigan's a good football team. They probably will, yeah. Michigan looks really good. Michigan does look good. Keep in mind, though, they play in Columbus, and winning in Columbus at the Horseshoe is really, really tough to do. If anybody can find a way to lose that game, it's John Harbaugh. So We have have faith in him for that. When we come back, we'll talk more about sports. It's Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. 17 minutes away from the start of the pregame show right here on 104.7 The Cave, your home for the FC West leading Kansas City Chiefs, once again, Art Haynes will not be with the crew. It has been determined that Art has West Nile virus. And there's a GoFundMe page that Ned can tell you a little more about. GoFundMe.com, I should say. GoFundMe.com. And upon getting into that, then you type in the name Art Haynes. And Haynes is spelled, folks, like it rains without the R. H-A-I-N-S is how you spell it. Type Type in that name and... You'll find all the details of how you can be a part of the GoFundMe page. And, hey, this is a lengthy recovery for him. He's, uh, he may be out for quite a while. It's also very costly. So, uh, hey, our, our thoughts and prayers and your monetary, your monetary help would be needed. Art's a very good person. Yes, Great he is. Great guy. Great and, guy. Uh, and he works very hard at what he does. He's a craftsman. Uh, you might not think of that with somebody that works in radio, but Art is definitely a craftsman in what he does. He cares very much about what he does, and it shows each and every time that he opens the microphone that he is a true professional, and all our thoughts are with Art and his family because we want to hear him back. You know, I can tell you how good he is. Having worked, we were the Bears radio team for 20 years, uh, 85 to 2005, and traveling with him and uh, seeing him in the broadcast, it's, uh, you learn a lot from the way he does things and does them the right way. And, uh, yeah, we, we pray for him. All of, us, all of us pray for him. He's very, very desperately missed. Showing some scenes from Kansas City as they get set for the afternoon game. A little surprised that this didn't uh, wind up on a nighttime schedule. Can't. It can't do it. I'll explain to you how that works. Prior to the start of the season, first of all, there is apparently no rule that says a team can't appear a number of times on Sunday night television, uh, or there is on Monday night, but not on Sunday night. But at the start of the year, the networks are given a list of games that uh, they would like to perhaps have on uh, on a Monday or a Sunday night game. That situation can be flexed, and it can be. We are in a time period when it can be flexed. However. All the networks have to be in agreement. Well, NBC had already chosen the Philadelphia Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys. They said, do you want to flex this one? Oh, heavens no. No, no, no. We're keeping it. And CBS said, that's fine with us. We will put this game in our uh, Sunday afternoon, late Sunday afternoon package, which they have done. Here's a little interesting factoid about that. The late Sunday afternoon games have better ratings than the Sunday night games. 
Hmm. Now, that's a little misleading because the first part of the Sunday night games are pretty good. They have record-shattering ratings. But after that, it falls off because people are going to bed. And they, <laughs> they aren't on the late Sunday afternoon games. So this will have a gigantic audience, but that's the reason that it's not on Sunday night. They're not tired of Chris Collinsworth by halftime and tune out? <laughs> right. You guys bash him. I think he does a good job. <clears throat> Let's uh, talk about football for a minute. And, and who's the surprising – what's – the most surprising storyline, as we breached, as we said earlier, the first quarter of the season. In the NFL? In the NFL. Oh, gosh. The most surprising team, I'll tell you, okay, in all honesty, it's the New York Jets. They have played well. They're coming on in this game today. They're playing the Green Bay Packers. They are getting better. What's oh, it, 3-3 at halftime against mm-hmm. the Packers? Yeah. They are a good team, and the New York Giants are a very good team. Are the Philadelphia Eagles a surprise? I love it since I green, uh, bleed the uh, green and white. But they're not a surprise because they were thought to have the best team in the NFC East, and right now they do, although I'm predicting Dallas gives them a really tough time tonight. Interesting because the NFC East has been um, just a dog turd of a division. <laughs> and now this year... I labeled it as that, but... Yeah, well, <laughs> well no, it's I been would, the t- really yeah. bad teams, and I mean, you're looking at... A, a, a division that typically a a 500 team wins or maybe a team just barely over 500 wins that division. But this year it's shaping up to look like it's going to be a pretty competitive division with some really good football teams in it. Seems like it's kind of rebalanced itself back that way. Well, the one team that might be out of it is the Washington Commanders because they've lost their quarterback now. He has a yep. fractured finger and it's on his throwing hand. That's going to severely limit whatever offense they have. But the Giants are good. Philadelphia's undefeated. And the Dallas Cowboys have a very nice football team. Yeah, anything can happen. You know, I wouldn't have thought at the beginning of the year that uh, the Commanders would be out of it and Carson Wentz would have gotten hurt. Those two things just would have never <laughs> I would have never thought that either one of those things happened. I, I see the sarcasm uh, dripping off your microphone. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> uh, so, so who's the best team in the NFL right now? Is it Buffalo? Is it Miami? Or is it Kansas City? Not Miami. Well, not Miami. Uh, in my opinion, it's the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs are more, uh, more versatile. I think they can do so many things. That takes nothing away from Buffalo. Buffalo is, Buffalo is a dynamic football team, and this should be a very good game this afternoon. But – for total versatility, now we're talking about the Midwest now. We get fed a steady diet of how good the Chiefs are. Well, they are. They're very good. And Mahomes, uh, Josh Allen notwithstanding, the, uh, Mahomes is maybe the best quarterback in the NFL. What's your thoughts, Josh? I think Buffalo is the best team in the NFL. I think just the, the how solidly they've played all season, uh, that's why – I mean, I think the Chiefs can be, but they've got to be more consistent in their ability because when they play the way that they're capable of playing, yeah, nobody's going to beat the Chiefs. But that's the problem. They don't do it every week, and you have to do it every week if you want to be that top team. I mean, the thing about the reason we hate the New England Patriots is because they were so consistent in the way they played and the way they won, and it was boring, but they just churned along for all those years. So either one of you surprised by the Rams? I'm not. I'm not at all. They had they had the benefit of a I'm not gonna say easy because there is no such thing as an easy schedule in the NFL, but they had the benefit of some softer teams down the stretch last year and 
the benefit of having the home field. They knew, they knew the Super Bowl was going to be in SoFi Stadium, and that really played, I think, psychologically into their, their benefit on things. They were a good team, but they were also they're very vulnerable. And no, I'm not, I'm not surprised that they haven't been able to do things. Minnesota's been the most surprising team to me. They're good. Yeah. They're Playing good, good football right now. I am a little surprised that the Rams are doing so poorly this season. I think it's a little bit of a Super Bowl hangover. It is. Mm-hmm. Which it happens. I mean, you you win the ultimate prize and then – You take a victory lap and yeah. sometimes you forget <laughs> to get, you know. Yeah, sometimes that lap turns into a victory race of 500 laps. and <laughs> Yeah, exactly. When we come back, we'll do our picks. It is Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Pre-game show starts in four minutes and eight seconds to be precise. I am Joe Weston with Ned Reynolds. Josh Roberts, let's do our picks. Who do we get Jekyll or Hyde today from the Chiefs? Ned, you go first. Uh, since uh, Mr. Hyde was the villain in the thing, I'll go with Dr. Jekyll. I think the Chiefs come out. I think they play as best as they can, which, is, of course, is always going to be the case. I think they'll play very well. But uh, the general consensus among all who are involved in football is that it's going to be a very high-scoring game, and I have to agree. I think it will be. Last time they played, it was, what, 40 42 to 36 is now what the final score was in that playoff game that they had. So oh, yeah. I am going to go with another high-scoring game this time. I will say the Chiefs, the Chiefs 41 and the Buffalo Bills 34, 41 to 34. All right, Josh, you spoke earlier and said you felt that the Bills were the best team in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Are they going to back that up today? I think they are, unfortunately. I think this is going to be a high-scoring game, and I think it's going to be close. But I think in the end, the Bills' defense is going to stop the Chiefs when they have to, and they're going to win 42-40. to 40. Mm. Mm. Do you think Von Miller's going to have an impact in this game? Yeah, I think he will. Von really? Miller has an impact whenever he shows good. up. I, 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 <laughs> Denver traded him. Why did they, why did they trade him? Con- I don't know. Contract situation. Yeah, they want, probably needed money, and they, I think he wanted a long term deal and probably wanted out of Denver since they're not really a competitive team as such in the viewpoint of many. And Buffalo is, and Buffalo says, "Hey, why don't you come on with us? You can still play defense, and he can." Yeah, he can. He is a di- disruptor, and he should make a difference in today's game. Good. I am going to pick the Chiefs to win, thirty six to thirty, because I think they're they're the best team. And I think they will win today. I think they're better than Buffalo. But it, to me, again, this the whole season's playing out very interestingly about how the Chiefs play up or play down to their right. competition level, Definitely. which we've seen that in the past from them. And I think that starts with coaching. I think, uh, you know, one of the criticisms of Andy Reid has been that besides his artwork on people's faces <laughs> is that he um, he just – takes his foot off the gas sometimes and right. I think maybe that intensity level is not there from him always so I'm picking the Chiefs because I think that they'll come into this game very intense after a little bit of a disappointing performance against the Raiders last week 
I hope you're right. Our next broadcast will begin at 1 o'clock next Sunday, right here on 104.7 The Cave, as we'll get you set for the Chiefs at the San Francisco 49ers. Until then, please stick around and enjoy the game. Remember, you can sync up our broadcast with the Chiefs television broadcast, so you don't have to listen to those annoying, pesky announcers. You can listen to the Chiefs announcers, which are great. Ned? Have a great weekend. (laughs) You have a good one too, man. (laughs) Josh, I will see you later. Yep. Enjoy the game.